0: This is a recording of Messengers of the Covenant, Mormon's Doctrinal Use of Malachi 3.1 in Moroni 729 29-32, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a journal of Latter-day Saint faith and scholarship, read by Victor Worth. Abstract Although not evident at first glance, shared terminology and phraseology in Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi 24.1, and Moroni seven twenty nine through thirty two suggest textual dependency of the latter on the former. Jesus' dictation of Malachi 3-4 to the Lamanites and Nephites at the Temple in Bountiful, as recorded and preserved on the plates of Nephi, helped provide Mormon a partial scriptural and doctrinal basis for his teachings on the ministering of angels, angels, messengers of the covenant, the work of the covenants of the Father, and preparing the way, in his sermon as preserved in Moroni 7. This article explores the implications of Mormon's use of Malachi 3-1, It further explores the meaning of the name Malachi, Yahweh is my messenger, my angel, in its ancient Israelite scriptural context, and the temple context within which Jesus uses it in 3 Nephi 24.1. Mormon records that Jesus introduced a major block of Malachi's prophecies, Malachi 3-4, Masoretic Text 3, into the Nephite scriptural tradition. At some point before the final battle at Comorah, Mormon copied those prophecies from the plates of Nephi onto the plates that contained his own abridged record. See Third Nephi 24-25. Jesus' transition to and introduction of Malachi's prophecies constitute perhaps the clearest juxtaposition of a proper name with its corresponding etymological meaning anywhere in Scripture. Thus said the Father unto Malachi, Malachi, my messenger, or my angel, Behold, I will send my messenger, Malachi, or my angel, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, Malak Haberit, or angel of the covenant. Third Nephi 24:1. The doctrinal significance of this onomastic juxtaposition was not lost on Mormon. He employs language that recalls Malachi 3:1. Third Nephi one when he expounds the doctrine of the ministering of angels, Hebrew, Malachim, see especially Moroni 7.29-32, and their role in the fulfillment of divine covenants. This he does as part of a wider exposition of the necessity of faith, hope, and charity, Moroni 7. In this article, I will examine the meaning of the name Malachi, Malachi, and its doctrinal importance in the respective contexts of the canonical book of Malachi and in 3 Nephi 24. I will also compare the language of Malachi 3.1, 3 1, Nephi 24.1, and Moroni 7.29-32 to determine the nature and degree of Mormon's use of the former. And finally, I will show how Malachi 3.1, 3 1, Nephi 24.1, and Mormons' use of this text enhance our understanding of the nature and function of the ministering of angels. My Messenger, the name Malachi and its doctrinal significance The form of the name Malachi, Hebrew Malachi, suggests the meaning My Messenger or My Angel. Its identicalness to the appellation Malachi, my messenger, in Malachi 3.1, has led some exegetes to conclude that Malachi constitutes an artificial name derived from Malachi 3.1. This tendency has been amplified by text-critical issues from the insipid title of the book of Malachi in Malachi 1.1. The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi King James Version follows the Hebrew Masoretic text. The Greek Septuagint reads Lema Logu Kirio Epitone Israel and Keri Angulu Auto The Burden of the Word of the Lord regarding Israel by the hand of his messenger or angel. The Septuagint reading appears to boil down to reading MLKW versus MLKY. The Vav and Yod often appear nearly identical in many Hebrew manuscripts. The Latin Vulgate, the Syriac Peshitta, and Greek texts of Symmachus and Theodosian, on the other hand, all render MLKY as the personal name Malachi. Gibson concludes that ultimately, quote, the Septuagint only serves to reinforce the originality of the Masoretic text, close quote. In other words, the textual tradition that gave rise to the modern-day Masoretic text, in this instance at least, appears to preserve the original and best reading. The attestation of Malachi as a personal name outside the biblical corpus argues for its authenticity. Malachi finds its earliest attestation in the 7th century BCE as MLKY on a jar handle among the Arad Ostraka. As a hypocoristic theophoric name, Malachi could represent an originally longer putative form, M-L-K-Y-H-W. Gibson also notes this possibility, agreeing with Andrew Hill's earlier suggestion that the Y-I, quote, may have been a marker for the genitive case in older classical Hebrew, not the first person pronomial suffix I, close quote, yielding messenger of Yahweh. But Gibson, Hill, and other exegetes shy away from the more challenging and uncomfortable theological implications of the Yod, Y-I, in Malachi, M-L-K-Y, constituting a theophoric hypochoristicon. Under this scenario, Malachi would mean, Divine Name is my messenger, i.e., Yahweh is my messenger, Yahweh is my angel, or Yahweh is a messenger unto me. Joel Burnett cites the Phoenician Punic name B-L-M-L-K, Baal is my messenger, as the relevant parallel for Malachi, a name that appears in numerous inscriptions. The name B-L-M-L-K, Burnett adds, quote, accords with the apparent interchangeability between Yahweh and the messenger of Yahweh in biblical narratives portraying the announcement of the birth by a divine messenger, e.g. Genesis 16.11, 13, 18.2-3, 10, etc. Burnett further suggests, If this is the relevant association for these names, the reference is not so much to a formal ritual or oracle as it is to the parent's perception of divine visitation. But C.F. Judges 13.21-23 Alternatively, the name may express a more general reference to a deity as a messenger to the individual." Close quote. He concludes that, quote, it is in this sense that the Hebrew name MLKY can be best understood to express the deity's accessibility and direct communication to the individual, close quote. Thus, the meaning of Malachi as Yahweh is my angel, or Yahweh is my messenger, is perfectly compatible and congruent with the doctrinal notion put forward in Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi one, that the Lord, Ha'adon, would, quote, suddenly come to the temple as a messenger of Yahweh himself. Notably, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi 3.1 in just this way when he suddenly came to the Lamanites and Nephites at the temple in Bountiful in 3 Nephi 11. The quotation of Malachi 3.1 by Jesus, the messenger of the covenant par excellence, would have been particularly poignant and appropriate to that Israelite audience on that occasion. See further below. The foregoing also helps us appreciate references in Genesis 48.16 to Jacob's redeeming angel, Habalak HaGoel, and in Exodus 23.23 and 32.34 to the theophanic angel who went before Israel in the wilderness. Quote, Mine angel, Malachi, shall go before thee. Exodus 23.23 and 32.34 That angel, note King James Version's deliberate capitalization, may be a thinly veiled reference to Yahweh, the Lord, Ha'adon, of Malachi's prophecy. In fact, in many instances, the angel of the Lord, or the angel of his presence, appears indistinguishable from the Lord himself. For example, one Isianic text uses the expression angel of his presence in precisely this way. Quote, in all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence, Malak Panao, saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them, and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63.9. See also DNC 133.53. The angel of Jehovah's, or Yahweh's, presence, that stood by Abram and unloosed his bands, appears to have been the same being that said, Abram, Abram, behold, my name is Jehovah, and I have heard thee, and have come down to deliver thee. Abraham 1.15-16 In other words, Yahweh's personal presence was the rescuing angel or messenger. Even the meaning messenger of Yahweh for Malachi can be understood to refer to the Lord within this scenario. The Lord's double, see further below in the conclusion. The foregoing framework may resolve the apparent silence of Jacob, Nephi's brother, on having seen the Lord, when he testifies, For I truly had seen angels, and they had ministered unto me. Jacob 7.5 When Jacob saw the Lord, his Redeemer, 2 Nephi 2.3-4 and 11.2, he had seen an angel who redeemed him and ministered to him. Compare the patriarch Jacob's redeeming angel Genesis 48.12, with 24.12-13, Ether 3.13-18. He is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, priests as angels or messengers of the covenant. The post-exilic prophetic book that bears Haggai's name describes the prophet Haggai as a Malak Yahweh and his message as a Malakut Yahweh. Quote, then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, Malak Yahweh, in the Lord's message, Malakut Yahweh, unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Haggai 1:13. The prophet Malachi uses similar terminology to describe priests of the Second Temple. After the insipid title of the book that includes his name, The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, Malachi's second use of Malach, messenger, angel, specifically describes the Aaronic priest as a Malach, even a Malach Yahweh Shebaot. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, Malach Yahweh Shebaot. Malachi 2:7 This conceptual framework helps us to appreciate Jacob's the son of Lehi and the brother of Nephi's message wherefore i jacob gave unto them these words as i taught them in the temple having first obtained mine errand from the lord for i jacob and my brother joseph had been consecrated priests and teachers of this people by the hand of nephi jacob 1:17-18 Recently, biblical scholars such as Crispin Lewis Fletcher, Margaret Barker, and Deborah DeMont have assembled and synthesized an impressive amount of biblical and non-biblical textual evidence suggesting that priests in Israel were, in fact, identified as angels. Revelation 8.3 depicts an angelos, i.e. a malach, functioning as a priest in the heavenly temple that John saw in vision. And another angel came and stood by the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Isaiah, who was apparently a temple priest when his prophetic call came, became Yahweh's messenger after a seraph, Hebrew burning one, touched a burning coal to his lips and atoned Isaiah's sin. Thy sin is purged, literally atoned, tekupar. His prophetic career, in this sense, constituted an angelic ministration. Lehi's throne vision, similar to Isaiah's in important aspects, helps us understand something of how the twelve, apostle, Greek apostolos, sent one, for Hebrew-Aramaic, shaluach, shaliach) fit into the Lord's economy as messengers or angels, even beyond the bounds of mortality. See 1st Nephi one through 10 C.F. 1st Nephi 11.29. Thus said the Father unto Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger. Jesus' doctrinal use of Malachi 3.1. Jesus Christ personally dictated the text of Malachi 3.4, concomitantly written by scribes, to his Lamanite and Nephite audience as part of a larger body of Scripture to which they previously had no access. These scriptures which he had not with you, the Father commanded that I should give unto you, for it was wisdom in him that they should be given unto future generations third Nephi twenty six two. Presumably Jesus dictated this text in Hebrew, a language the Nephites admitted using eg Mormon nine thirty three, or at least in a putative creolized Nephite dialect of Hebrew. Malachi's prophecies date from a time well after the Jews' return from the Babylonian exile, i.e. sometime during the 5th century BCE. Thus, Malachi's writings were not on the brass plates. With the exception of a few phraseological snatches that plausibly have origins outside of and earlier than the body of Malachi's prophetic work, Malachi's prophecies enter the Nephite scriptural tradition when Jesus dictates them and the Nephite record-keepers record them. And it came to pass that he commanded them that they should write the words which the father had given unto Malachi, Malachi, which he should tell unto them. And it came to pass that after they were written, he expounded them. And these are the words which he did tell unto them, saying, Thus said the father unto Malachi, Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, Malachi, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, malak whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. 3 Nephi 24.1 Jesus' dictation of Malachi 3-4 through 4 begins with his repetition of Malachi, first as a name and then as a referential noun. This repetition places additional emphasis on the importance of the name Malachi and its meaning, the identity of the father's Malach and the identity, role, and function of the Lord who suddenly comes to his temple as Malach of the Covenant. The faithful Nephites, quote, and those who had been called Lamanites, at the temple in Bountiful, would surely have appreciated the sense in which Jesus was fulfilling Malachi's prophecy right before their eyes, as the Father's messenger, and the Lord whom they sought had suddenly come to his temple. As Malach Haberit messenger of the covenant, he reorganized and established the previously existing church under the new covenant, or law of the gospel. Jesus' recitation of Malachi's prophecy in this temple context would have recalled for this particular audience the temple imagery and words of the angel, Malach, whose words King Benjamin relayed to the Nephites and Mulekites at the temple in Zarahemla generations earlier. For behold, the time cometh, and is not far distant, that with power the Lord Omnipotent, who was and is from all eternity, to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men, and shall dwell, Waiskon, i.e. temporarily dwell, in a tabernacle, Mishkan, and shall go forth amongst men working mighty miracles, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, causing the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of diseases, Mosiah 3.5. Over a drastically condensed period of time, the Lamanites and Nephites of the temple in Bountiful saw what the word become flesh and dwelling, C.F. John 1.14, eskenosen, tenting, among them, looked like, in terms of Jesus' teaching, organizing, commissioning, and working mighty miracles in a physical body, temple, or tabernacle. The somatic interpretation of temple, Hekal, in The Lord Whom Ye Seek Shall Suddenly Come to His Temple, would have been almost impossible to avoid with Jesus' bodily present there. Earlier, Jesus had taught this same audience, And behold, this people will I establish in this land, unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made with your father Jacob. And it shall be a new Jerusalem, and the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people. Yea, even I will be in the midst of you. 3 Nephi 20.22 Jesus' ministrations to the people in 3 Nephi 17, and the powers of heaven, or angels, who ministered unto their children, see especially 3 Nephi 17.24, had already shown them what the fulfillment of this prophecy would look like. Third Nephi 19 provides a similar picture of heavenly ministrations. Mormon records that after Nephi baptized the twelve disciples whom Jesus had chosen, Third Nephi 19.12, angels came down to minister to the disciples, and Jesus also came down to do the same. And it came to pass, when they were all baptized and had come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And behold, they were encircled about as if it were by fire, and it came down from heaven, and the multitude did witness it, and did bear record. And angels did come down out of heaven, and did minister unto them. And it came to pass that while the angels were ministering unto the disciples, behold, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and ministered unto them. 3 Nephi 19.13-15 this description collapses the ontological distance between Jesus and angels, and the perceived gap between the ministering of angels and Jesus' own ministrations. Jesus ministered as the Father's messenger, Malach, and chief among a multiplicity of ministering messengers or angels. This picture is consistent with both Malachi's language in Malachi three one, thirty five twenty four one, and Moroni seven twenty nine through thirty two. See further below even the messenger of the covenant. A component to the onomastic Malachi wordplay in Malachi 3.1 and 3 Nephi one, that begs further discussion is the expression, messenger of the covenant, Malach Haberit. As noted above, Malachi's prophecy states that Yahweh as Lord, Ha'adon, was the Malach Haberit. Jesus had reference to this divine role when he said to the Lamanites and Nephites to the temple and Bountiful, And behold, ye are the children of the prophets, and ye are of the house of Israel, and ye are of the covenant, Habarit, which the father made, Karat, with your fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. The Father having raised me up unto you first, and sent me, i.e., as a messenger, to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities, and this because ye are the children of the covenant. CF Hebrew Bene Berit or Bene Haberit, third Nephi twenty six. All that Jesus did at the temple in Bountiful, just as everything he did in life, death, and resurrection, he did in his capacity as messenger of the covenant. This paradigm helps us appreciate the force of statements such as this one that Jesus makes earlier in the same temple setting. Then will I fulfill the covenant which the Father made unto you, or cut with, all the people of the house of Israel. Third Nephi 16.5 Mormon also spoke from a similar frame of reference when he promised that his record, the Book of Mormon, would go forth, that the Father may bring about, through his Most Beloved, his great and eternal purpose in restoring the Jews, or all the house of Israel, to the land of their inheritance, which the Lord their God hath given them, under the fulfilling of his covenant. Mormon 5.14 Peter preached a similar statement, perhaps one Jesus made during his 40-day post-resurrection ministry, as recorded by Luke: "Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed." Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities." Acts 3:25-26 What is noticeably missing from the New Testament version of this statement is the causal emphasis on which Jesus was acting as messenger of the covenant, the sent one. This because ye are children of the covenant. An excerpt from The Fullness of John's Record, or The Fullness of the Record of John, preserved in D&C 93, describes Jesus' role as messenger of the covenant thusly, In the beginning the Word was, for He was the Word, even the messenger of salvation. D.N.C. 93.8 The covenant of the Father, Third Nephi 24.1, Moroni 10.33, and its fulfillment in every particular constitutes Jesus' work of salvation, and the errand for which He, as messenger of the covenant, was sent. The office of their ministry is to fulfill and do the work of the covenant of the Father, the ministering of angels. The dictated text of Malachi 3.4 constituted a part, albeit a minute part, of the records that Mormon had in his possession, c.e.g. Mormon 6.6. 6. Mormon copied this text into his own record, see Third Nephi 24.25. The importance that Mormon placed on these finds further expression in Moroni 7, a sermon that Mormon's son Moroni included as part of his grand final conclusion to the Book of Mormon, Moroni 7-10. through In that sermon, originally given to a group of faithful Nephites in a synagogue, sometime during the waning days of Nephite civilization, Nephi briefly adumbrates the doctrine of the ministering of angels, and cites the ministering of angels as an example of the consistency of God's character and dealings with the human family. In Moroni 7:29 29-32, Mormon explains the role and function of angels or messengers, Malakim, in the divine performance of covenant promises. A comparison of third Nephi 24-1, Malachi 3 1, and Moroni 7:29 29-32, reveals striking terminological parallels between the two texts. On the strength of these terminological parallels, the textual dependence of Moroni 7:29 through 32 on Malachi 3:1, 3, 3 Nephi one appears more than likely. Nevertheless, our consideration of these four terms and collocations, and the conceptual frameworks within which Malachi and Mormon use them, helps us better understand the immense significance and relevance of Mormon's use of Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi 24.1, in his sermon. Messengers, Angels, and the Work. The Range of Meaning of Malach and Malakah, Key number 1. One key to understanding Mormon's use of Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi 24.1, is recognizing the range of meaning in the Hebrew word malach and its cognates. In its broadest sense, malach denotes messenger, but also came to connote heavenly messenger, C.F. Ugaritic M.L.A.K.S.M.M., heavenly messengers or messengers of heaven or angel, as an ontological reference designating a class belonging to the divine realm, though it should be noted that Greek angelos, whence English angel derives, also originally denoted simply a messenger. Considering the literary and scriptural tradition within which Mormon worked, the word that he most likely used, that is here rendered angels, in translation was the plural Hebrew Malachim. Mormon sermon also appears to employ a polyptoton involving angels, malakim, and work, melaket, melaka. The office of the ministry of malakim, he says, is to fulfill and do the work (Hebrew melaket) of the covenants of the Father. As a play on malakim and melaka or melaket, this statement qualifies as something of a miniature ideology. In other words, Mormon intimates the appropriateness of the word malach for that distinctive class of beings assigned to fulfill and do the work, malaket, of the covenants of the Father. Moroni 7, 32 And because he hath done this, my beloved brethren, have miracles ceased? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, neither have angels, Hebrew malakim, ceased to minister unto the children of men, for behold, they are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith, and a firm mind in every form of godliness. And the office of their ministry is to call men unto repentance, and to fulfill and to do the work of the covenants of the Father, which he hath made, Karat, unto the children of men, to prepare the way among the children of men, by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord, that they may bear testimony of him. And by so doing the Lord God prepareth the way, that the residue of men may have faith in Christ, that the Holy Ghost may have a place in their hearts, according to the power thereof, and after this manner bringeth to pass the Father the covenants, Beritot, which he hath made, Karat, unto the children of men. Third Nephi 24, one, quoting Malachi 3, one. And it came to pass that he commanded them that they should write the words which the father had given unto Malachi, which he should tell unto them. And it came to pass that after they were written he expounded them. And these are the words which he did tell unto them, saying, Thus said the father unto Malachi, Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, Malachi, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, Malach Habarit, whom ye delight in, behold he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The most significant terminological connections between Mormon seven twenty nine through thirty two and third Nephi twenty four one Malachi three 1, can be distilled to these English transliteration or translated term or phrase Malachi, my messenger. Messenger of the Covenant, angels, work. Verses, Third Nephi 24:1, Moroni 7:29, Moroni 7:31. Hebrew equivalent, Malachi, Malachi, Malakhaberid, Malakim, Malacha, Melaket. English term, the Father. Cf. the Fathers. Verse. Third Nephi one Moroni 7:31, Moroni 7:32, Third Nephi five five Hebrew equivalent ab. English term covenant, covenants. Verse Third Nephi one Moroni 7:31 through 32. Hebrew equivalent berit, beritot. English term prepare the way, prepareth the way. Verse, Third Nephi 24.1, Moroni 7.31, Moroni 7.32, Hebrew equivalent, Upinaderek. The noun malakah melakhet, denotes work or business. Originally, work or business to which or on which one is sent, i.e., a mission. This term is used to denote the work or workmanship of temple creation, e.g. Exodus 35, verses 21, 24, 29, 31, 33, 35, and chapter 36, 1-8. through 8. 1 Kings 5.16, Masoretic Text 5.30, 7.14, 22, 40, 51, and chapter 9, verse 23. Temple Maintenance, 2 Kings 12.11, 14-15. 22, 5, and 9, and the divine work of world creation from which God rested or ceased, Genesis 2, 2-3, two and from which Israel was to cease on the Sabbath, C.E.G. Exodus 20, 9-10, 31, 14-15, and 35, 2. A look at the root LK in cognate Semitic languages also helps round out an etymological and semantic picture for Malak and Melaka. The Ugaritic verb LK meant to send a message, or entrust with a message. The derived nouns MLAK, messenger, and MLAKT, message, mission, missive, and embassy, closely match their Hebrew cognates in form and meaning. The Ethiopic verb LAKA, send, commission. The derived nouns malak messenger, angel, governor, prefect, prince, chief, captain, ruler, commander, and malect, letter, message, epistle, duty, business, service, cult mission, ministry, function, office, legation, all show how productive LK became in that language. Old South Arabic attests the verb LK, send, which seems to have come to mean dedicate. The father and the fathers, key number two. A second key to understanding Mormon's use of Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi 24.1, in Moroni 7, is recognizing the text's mutual emphasis on God the Father as the subject of divine action. Jesus' teachings in Third Nephi consistently emphasize God the Father as the ultimate source of all divine action. Mormon's speech reflects a similar paradigm. In third Nephi, passages in which Jesus quotes Scripture, he often substitutes the Father for the divine title Yahweh, e.g. third Nephi twenty thirty five, quoting Isaiah fifty two ten, CF also third Nephi twenty one nine, quoting Habakkuk one five. Moreover, instead of using the usual collocation saith the Lord, Naom Yahweh, literally utterance of Yahweh, Jesus similarly substitutes the Father, Saith the Father. We should further note here that in the 3rd Nephi version of the Malachi text, the term father, fathers, ab, abot, helps to form an inclusio that brackets the text from 3rd Nephi 24.1, Thus saith the father unto Malachi to third nephi 24 25 26 behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the lord and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest i come and smite the earth with a curse malachi 4 5 through 6 masoretic text 3 23 through 24 third nephi 25 5 through 6 Another significant part of this inclusio is the very similar phrases, Hineni sholeach and Hinenei anoki sholeach, both rendered, Behold, I will send, in the King James Version. The similarity of these two phrases, in addition to the structure of the text of Malachi 3.1 and 4.5-6, Masoretic Text 3.23-24, leads to a natural association of the Malachi, my messenger prophecy, with the Elijah prophecy. Indeed, according to the New Testament Gospels, Jesus saw Malachi's messenger, Malachi 3.1, prophecy, as somewhat interchangeable with his Elijah prophecy, Malachi 4.5-6, Masoretic Text 3.23-24, perhaps as an interpretive Gezerah Shoah on the verb Shalah, or send. Regarding John the Baptist's Aaronic priestly role, Jesus stated, But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. For this is he, of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger, Ton Angolon Mo, before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Matthew eleven nine 9-10, Luke seven twenty six 26-27. To this he then adds, And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, Elijah, which is for to come. Matthew eleven fourteen. see also JST, Matthew seventeen eleven, Luke one seventeen. Joseph Smith's interpretation of the Angel of Revelation, 7-2, Doctrine and Covenants 77-9, see also D&C 1, 10, 12 and John the Revelator, D&C 77 as fulfillments of the promised Elias, attests the great flexibility with which the two Malachi prophecies could be interpreted and understood. Noting that the name Elijah means Jehovah is my God, and its appropriateness for Malachi's prophecy regarding the fathers and the children, Russell M. Nelson sees a father-son symbol in the name Elijah, Eliahu. Embedded in Elijah's name are the Hebrew terms for both the father and the son, namely Eli, my God, and Yahu, Jehovah. Close quote. The covenant and the covenants, key number three. A third key closely correlates with the second. The covenant in the collocation Messenger of the Covenant, mentioned by Malachi, Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi one, is the covenant of the Father, of which Jesus speaks in 3 Nephi one four, and which Moroni mentions as he concludes the Book of Mormon record in Moroni 10.33. It is the covenant that subsumes all the other covenants that God cuts with mankind. In Third Nephi 20, Jesus places particular tremendous emphasis on the Father as the covenant-making party. The covenant that the Father hath made, Third Nephi 20:12. My people, with whom the Father hath covenanted, Third Nephi 20:19. Ye are of the covenant which the Father hath made with your fathers, Third Nephi 20:25. 20, THE FATHER HAVING RAISED ME UP UNTO YOU FIRST, AND SENT ME TO BLESS YOU IN TURNING AWAY EVERY ONE OF YOU FROM HIS INIQUITIES, AND THIS BECAUSE YE ARE THE CHILDREN OF THE COVENANT, THEN FULFILLETH THE FATHER THE COVENANT WHICH HE MADE WITH ABRAHAM, THIRD Nephi 20, 26-27. THEN SHALL THIS COVENANT WHICH THE FATHER HATH COVENANTED WITH HIS PEOPLE BE FULFILLED, THIRD Nephi 20, 46. PREPARE THE WAY, KEY NUMBER FOUR. Mormon's appropriation of the collocation prepare the way hebrew penaderek constitutes the fourth key to understanding his use of Malachi 3:1 3, 3 Nephi 24:1 Mormon's conception of a hierarchy of malachim who fulfill and do the work of the covenants of the father to prepare the way surely reflects and perhaps owes something to what Zenos depicts as the hierarchy of the lord of the vineyard his servant and the fellow-servants called by the Lord of the vineyard-servant. Wherefore, go to and call servants, that we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way, that I may bring forth again the natural fruit. Jacob 5.61 And if it so be that these last grafts shall grow, and bring forth the natural fruit, then shall ye prepare the way for them, that they may grow. Jacob 5.64 Zenos' allegory of the olive tree is eminently the description of the fulfilling of a divine covenant against all apparent odds. Many scholars believe that Malachi's prepare the way before me, phraseology in Malachi 3.1, deliberately recalls the language of Isaiah 43. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, as part of Isaiah 41-14, is widely seen as reflecting a divine council setting, with the council commissioning divine or angelic messengers. Perhaps both Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 43 should be understood as reflecting the conceptual framework of a hierarchy of divine beings or heavenly messengers or servants, similar to Jacob 5.61-64. and 64. As additional background to Mormon's appropriation of the language of Malachi 3.1, 3 Nephi 24.1, the collocation, prepare the way, or its passive biform, the way is prepared, enjoyed a long currency in Nephite scriptural tradition. In 1 Nephi 10, Nephi uses language akin to and drawn from Isaiah 43. And he spake also concerning a prophet who should come before the Messiah to prepare the way of the Lord. Yea, even he should go forth and cry in the wilderness, "Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight." First Nephi 10:7 through 8. He subsequently describes John the Baptist thus: "I also beheld the prophet who should prepare the way before him, the Redeemer of the world." First Nephi 11:27. Nephi's use of the phrase, prepare the way, twice in connection with the Aaronic priestly mission and role of John the Baptist, describes how he desired to see, and then saw, the vision of the tree of life that his father had seen. Against the backdrop of his use of prepare the way, in 1 Nephi 107 8 he first uses the passive form, the way is prepared, as a description of the doctrine of Christ, the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world. First Nephi 10.18 In doing thus, Nephi's language also perhaps reflects the influence of his own father Lehi's words. For the spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared from the fall of man, and salvation is free. Second Nephi 2.4 In this example, way has reference to the way of the tree of life. Genesis 3.24, and the way that Nephi would later use to describe the doctrine of Christ, 2 Nephi 31. For Nephi, the collocation prepare a way, prepare the way, constituted a key element of the great statement of his personal faith and ethos. I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save He shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which He commandeth them first nephi three seven Nephi recorded this statement after decades of reflection on the events that defined his life, obtaining the brass plates, the Arabian wilderness experience, their transoceanic exodus, etc events in which an intermediary truly helped prepare the way. C.E.G. e.g., 1st Nephi 3:29 through 31 4 4-3, 10 and 10. Thus Nephi knew the reality that the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth the way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. For behold, he hath all power under the fulfilling of all his words. First Nephi 9.6 In fact, Nephi relates the Lord's promise regarding their journey through the Arabian wilderness and ahead of their own exodus through the sea. I will also be your light in the wilderness, and I will prepare the way before you. If it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. 1 Nephi 17.13 That promise echoes the symbolic language with which Isaiah described Israel's exodus from Egypt. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab, mythologizing code name for Egypt, and wounded the dragon, Tanin, Art thou not it, he, which hath dried the sea, Yam, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea away, Derek, for the ransom to pass over? Isaiah 51, 9-10, 2 Nephi 8, 9-10. As Daniel Belknap has pointed out, Yahweh acts as divine warrior to redeem his covenant people from their enemies. Jacob, Nephi's brother, gave an extraordinary exegesis of this very text when he described the resurrection, of which the priesthood ordinance of baptism is of course a figure in Exodus language. O oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepareth a way, direct, for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster, yea, that monster, death and hell, which I call the death of the body, and also the death of the spirit. And because of the way of deliverance of our God, the Holy One of Israel, this death of which I have spoken, which is the temporal, shall deliver up its dead, which death is the grave. Second Nephi 9.10-11 Bill Knapp additionally noted the correspondence between the Levantine deity Mot, death, and what Jacob refers to as death, and between Sheol, the world of spirits, and hell. Jacob refers to them collectively as this awful monster and that monster. In his exegesis of Isaiah 51, 9-10, Jacob appears to connect the sea, or yam with death and hell. However, Jacob may also have a connection in mind between Rahab, surger, which plays upon the restlessness and crashing of the sea, a code name for Egypt elsewhere in the Hebrew Bible, and the black land, Egyptian KMT, of Israel's bondage and captivity with Sheol, the dark and benighted dominion, and the land of the captivity of spirits. Appropriately, then, the dragon, or Tanin, Septuagint Greek drakon, would correspond with the devil. Isaiah 51, 9-10, the sea, Yam, or Yam with capital Y, correspondence in Second Nephi 9, Jacob's exegesis to death, mot, or Moet. In Isaiah, Rahab, or Egypt, corresponding in Jacob to hell, sheol. In Isaiah, Tanin, the dragon, cf. leviathan, that piercing serpent, and that crooked serpent, corresponding in Jacob to the devil, cf. that old serpent, the devil. Jacob very appropriately describes the devil in similar terms to death and hell. Mot and Sheol that awful monster the devil, second Nephi nine nineteen, in this sermon, Jacob offers the best description anywhere in scripture of what the human situation would be if Jesus Christ had not performed the atonement or had not acted as divine warrior on our behalf. We would become malakim, but not angels of the Lord in his economy and not doing his. Melakah. O the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace! For behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God, and became the devil to rise no more. And our spirits must have become like unto him, and we become devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of our God, and to remain with the father of lies, in misery like unto himself." Yea, to that being who beguiled our first parents, who transformeth himself nigh unto an angel of light, and stirreth up the children of men unto secret combinations of murder, and all manner of secret works of darkness. Second Nephi 9, 8-9. Regarding this passage, Daniel Belknap observes that, quote, In such a state, there was no way in which any of the covenantal promises could have been kept. Israel, indeed all mankind, would have been cut off, cast out, and helpless in the face of such. Death is a monster that must be defeated by God, for salvation and deliverance to even be possible. All other creative martial endeavors are but types of this battle." Thus, Jesus Christ's atonement makes the promises and the covenants of the Father sure promises and covenants, upon which men and women can lay hold to the degree that they are true and faithful. Perhaps that is why Alma the Younger, Samuel the Lamanite, and Moroni all use the collocation prepare the way as metonymic for living the doctrine of Christ. Notably, the ministrations of the Aaronic Priesthood, including baptism and the administration of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which Jesus institutes at the temple in Bountiful, in 3 Nephi 18, enable one to always have his spirit to be with him or her, and the ministering of angels, which is one of the manifestations of that spirit. In this way, we, like Malachim, or as Malachim, are enabled or empowered to prepare the way, and to fulfill and do the work of the covenants of the Father. Moroni 7.31 As Nephi declared, Then can ye speak with the tongue of angels, and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. 2 Nephi 31.13 In light of all the foregoing, we can appreciate the significance of Nephi's use of Deuteronomy 18.15 as a prophecy of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance among the Nephites and Lamanites at the temple in Bountiful. And the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people, unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses, which he spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. First Nephi 22.20. At the temple in Bountiful, Jesus, as the messenger of the covenant, Malak Haverit, uses the collocation, prepare the way, to promise the reversal of Israel's scattered condition throughout the world. Yea, the work, Hebrew Hamelakah, shall commence among all the dispersed of my people, with the Father to prepare the way, whereby they may come unto me, that they may call on the Father in my name, Third Nephi 21 27. Jesus makes this statement just previous to and in the same context that he dictates the Malachi text the ministering of angels as described by Mormon in Moroni 7:29-32 is no more or less than the work of messengers angels on both sides of the veil to prepare the way have angels ceased to appear unto the children of men thus Moroni 7:29 29-32 offers one of the most vivid and instructive scriptural glimpses into what the New Testament writers described as God's oikonomia, responsibility of management, management of a household, direction, office, literally, the work of an estate manager, oikonomos, CF English economy. It is similar in range of meaning to melakha or melakhet. Mormon cites the ongoing ministering of angels as evidence of the consistency of God's economy and character throughout time and eternity. And Christ hath said, If ye will have faith in me, ye shall have power to do whatsoever thing is expedient in me. And he hath said, Repent all ye ends of the earth, and come unto me, and be baptized in my name, and have faith in me, that ye may be saved. And now, my beloved brethren, if this be the case, that these things are true which I have spoken unto you, and God will show unto you with power and great glory at the last day that they are true, and if they are true, has the day of miracles ceased, or have angels, Malachim, ceased to appear unto the children of men, or has he withheld the power of the Holy Ghost from them, or will he, so long as time shall last, or the earth shall stand, or there shall be one man upon the face thereof to be saved? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for it is by faith that miracles are wrought, and it is by faith that angels, Malachim, appear and minister unto men. Wherefore, if these things have ceased, woe be unto the children of men, for it is because of unbelief, and all is vain. Moroni 7:33 through 37 Mormon's Sermon preserves a statement that is not attested in his account of Jesus' ministry among the Lamanites and Nephites and 3rd Nephi. And Christ hath said, If ye will have faith in me, ye shall have power to do whatsoever thing is expedient in me. Moroni 7.33 Moroni replicates a version of this statement in Moroni 10.23 And Christ truly said unto our fathers, If ye have faith, ye can do all things which are expedient in me. John Gee observes that, Mormon, whom Moroni quotes, uses this passage to show that faith allows one to lay hold upon every good thing, Moroni 7, 21-29. As noted above, one of the good things that faith, repentance, and baptism, the doctrine of Christ, help one lay hold upon or access is the ministering of angels, malakim, which in turn helps one to lay hold upon salvation and eternal life. Mormon's exposition of the ministering of angels in the context of the doctrine of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost recalls the words of Nephi. Angels, Malachim, speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore, I say unto you, feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. Second Nephi 23.3 Conclusion the shared terminology of Malachi 3, 1, 3 Nephi 24, 1, and Moroni 729 32 makes textual dependence of the latter upon the former highly likely. Mormon appears to have used the version of Malachi 3.1 dictated by Jesus and recorded by scribes at the temple in Bountiful to adumbrate the doctrine of the ministering of angels as messengers of the covenant who prepare the way and fulfill and do the work of the covenants of the Father. Just as the name Elias, partly on the basis of Malachi one, with which the Elijah prophecy in Malachi 4.5-6, Masoretic text 3.23-24, is strongly linked, became a title used of John the Baptist and other angelic priestly ministrants, the term Malachi, my messenger, grew beyond being a personal name to refer to a number of heavenly messengers, including the Lord himself. This is particularly appropriate if the name Malachi originally meant Yahweh is my messenger. However, it is also appropriate even if Malachi meant messenger or angel of Yahweh, especially if angel, malak, angelos, in this context can be understood, like Greek parakletos, as doppelganger or alter ego, i.e. spiritual double, as it clearly is in Matthew 18.10 and Acts 12.14-15. Moroni, who took pains to preserve the sermon in which Mormon, his father, explained the doctrine of the ministering of angels, Moroni 7, becomes just such a messenger. See Joseph Smith History, 133, 44, 46-47, 49-50, 52-54, 59-61. In revealing the location of the gold plates and preparing Joseph Smith to carry out the translation, Moroni acted as the messenger of the covenant, i.e. the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon, D.N.C. 8457. Moroni was one of numerous messengers or angels to minister to Joseph, messengers that included the Lord himself. We should count it no mean detail that the first intimation of the building of a temple in the revelations that became the Doctrine and Covenants came in a revelation through the prophet Joseph Smith to Edward Partridge on December 9, 1830, in which the Lord quoted Malachi 3.1. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wherefore, gird up your loins, and I will suddenly come to my temple. Even so, amen. DNC thirty six eight. 36.8 the Lord here, in effect, identified Himself as the Messenger of the Covenant, or Malak Hamrit. It took the Latter-day Saints about five more years to get a temple built, but once they built it, the Lord suddenly came to His temple, see D&C 10 along with other messengers, D&C through 16 in fulfillment of Malachi 3.1 and 4.5-6, see further DNC and c 15 in light of all the foregoing we can better appreciate the Lord's promise regarding divine messengers that include angels, deceased loved ones not least, apostles, prophets, and even himself. And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also, for I will go before your face, I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about you to bear you up. DNC eighty four eighty eight. These are the messengers of the covenant, of which Malachi and Mormon spoke. The author would like to thank Robert F. Smith for suggestions that improved this paper. He would also like to thank Suzanne Bowen, Daniel C. Peterson, Alan Wyatt, and Victor Worth. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an assistant professor in religious education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He is also the author of Name as Key Word, Collected Essays on Onomastic Wordplay and the Temple in Mormon Scripture, Salt Lake City, Interpreter Foundation, and Eborn Books, 2018. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blatberg, are the parents of three children, Zachariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of Messengers of the Covenant. Mormon's Doctrinal Use of Malachi 3.1 in Moroni 7.29-32, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, Volume 31, 2019, read by Victor Worth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed. It remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.